I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hi, everyone. You have arrived at Characters on the Couch. I'm Jordana Horn, and I am here with my dear friend, Dr. Adam Stern. Hi there. And we're going to be chatting all about analysis of fictional people. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Characters on the Couch. I'm here, Jordan Horn, with my co-host, Dr. Adam Stern. Oh, that threw me off, Jordan Horn. I know. Usually, I'm your your good friend. Are we okay? I guess we're all right. Yeah, I guess so. I've sort of um, internalized some of the spirit of today's conversation (laughs) where we're talking about um, misanthropy in the guise of the ultra-cool, unknowable... Um, unfathomable Wednesday Adams. So today we're talking about Wednesday. Mm-hmm. And I was just telling Adam, I'm a bit of an expert because I have a I have a daughter who is somewhat obsessed with this show. Do you say by or with this show? She and I think that part of what I want to discuss is the appeal of of Wednesday. I mm-hmm. mean, other than being, yes, yes, she's She's attractive and whatever, but she also is this kind of kick-ass dynamo, mm-hmm. but heavily shrouded in a and ooh, I like that shrouded um in mm. a kind of under a veneer of a combination of cynicism, mm-hmm. defeatism, and yet somehow extremely persevering and stubborn and determined, yeah. which are all sort of like, you know, more optimistic qualities. So yeah. I want to do a deep dive into her psyche because she has a really interesting character, whatever you might say about like the various convolutions of, you know, of the plot, which well, whatever we, don't right. have to, we right. don't have to, there were a lot of like gratuitous red herrings and mm-hmm. whatever, meant to appeal to someone perhaps other than you and I, um, and more like my daughter. But It makes me wonder, as they're sort of designing the show, thinking it over, how they're going to present it, it makes, to me, and I think to you, the, the real value in the show is in this character yes. and this sort of, the character within the context of the school of outcasts, right? Mm-hmm. And what that sort of represents in a teenager's life, right? And and young adult's life and 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 how it fits in. But I, then, I just have to interrupt because we're on uh we do this on a screen where we can see each other. Mm-hmm. And so 
Adam right now is gesticulating with his right hand and it, his it's right hand is like at a remove thing. and it looks like thing is on the screen and it's very funny. Oh, that's great. He's crawling <laughs> over Adam's yeah. head. Thing is um, probably my favorite character and I would love to do a whole episode on thing. But I think we gotta. I think we gotta focus on Wednesday. I just want to say for those of you, which is ninety nine point nine percent, who know about Zoom and the sort of blurry background, like my hand is also a, a completely disembodied <laughs> yes. like hand. It's doing its own thing. Uh, it's really a weird effect. I had no idea it was happening. Yeah, no, it's good right. stuff. Yeah, sorry. So I think that the I think you and I see like the value in the in the character and how it's how it's drawn up. And yet I wonder, because it is a show I also, as I was watching, I was like, I think this is mostly meant for teenagers, like mm-hmm. aimed at, you know? It's one yeah, of those shows sure. that that young people would probably like, but that grownups would appreciate. And I think, I bet, if you, I don't know, if you asked young people, they would probably, I think they probably like all that the the plot you know all the all the oh for sure who's the monster and how is it you know going to unfold and and the Adam, romance we're, we're all the monster <laughs> that's it okay so number one number two I will say that for anyone who's considering like should my kid watch the show I have a lot of kids and my eleven eleven and a half year old is the one who's obsessed I have a ten year old who is a little more innocent and sheltered. And so my 11-year-old tried to indoctrinate the 10-year-old and the 10-year-old said it was, quote unquote, extremely scary. So so maybe apparently that's the dividing line in my house anyway, is between 10 and 11. I think that this show, I really don't know that it would appeal that much to people beyond like uh, sort of the 11 to 15 kind of zone because it's not... There's no, there's no sex. There's no real like profanity. I mean, not mm-hmm. that profanity even registers on my Richter scale anymore. <laughs> that that went the way of the dodo over COVID. My kids have heard every possible combination <laughs> of curse words. But I'm just saying that's the window that we're talking about, yeah. and I think that's relevant to our analysis because I'd like to hear from you. Number one. Um, an analysis of this character, but number two, why this character has appeal to right. that audience. Right. Yeah. And so, so as I often like to do, take one step back, broadly looking mm-hmm. at the the sort of where does the content come from? It's this family of grotesque characters. They're all odd and unusual in their own way. And somehow that connects with the, if it's looking at the comic or prior movies, shows, what have you. In this version, Wednesday Adams on Netflix version, it's really zooming in on her as a defiant goth girl teenager, but without any irony, right? So very often in life, when you come across folks who are dressed in all black and and are very, take things a certain, with a degree of uh, cynicism, there's almost a sense I have often of, okay, that's cool. And also like how much of it is authentic and how much are you putting on and how much is ironic and and with Wednesday it's very you just get this sense that, and this is a credit to the actress I think uh, Je- Jenny Ortega I think her name is Yeah Jenna Ortega Jenna Ortega thank you and and it's like she is that is who she is she struggles to basically not get expelled from school to school to school because she can't restrain herself from being who she is which is you know going to 
I don't know. I mean, there are like 12 different sort of descriptions you could put on her, but she, she, you know, sort of hates people in, in a lot of ways, but is overtly protective of her younger brother. She will exact revenge. She wants justice. She wants things to be right and fair, but also dark and, and, and frankly scary. And, you know, uh, at the end of the first episode, she sort of says, oh, I think I will like this place. There's been a murder and a maiming and a stalker, and you know, et cetera. Right, so. right. Like, that's fun. Right. I think that, to me, uh, I've I've watched this show slash been commandeered into watching mm. this show a few times. And I'll say that from the very get-go, the first time that I watched this show, the thing that made me fall in love with Wednesday is exactly as you said, she is unapologetically who she is. Yeah. From everything from her monochromatic attire mm-hmm. in a world full of color right. to her shunning of iPhones mm-hmm. and social media culture mm-hmm. to her sort of she takes a vaguely anthropological stance mm-hmm. toward her fellow teens, whereas I think most people of her age would supposed to be, I would guess around 15, right? That most people are very concerned about how they fit in, mm-hmm. um, about, you know, and she really yeah. is not. She's very much like, this is who I am. Yeah. And you take it or leave it. And that, and that comes across immediately, and we can discuss what happens later, but as a sign of real strength. And I think that one thing that the internet went nuts over is she goes to mm-hmm. the the kind of equivalent, the raven, the equivalent of like a prom. Right. And she does this dance that really like, there's no resemblance to anything that you would call like dance moves. Yeah. It's sort of twitching and thrashing and just doing her own thing. And you know, I think a lot of people are like, whoa, that's too much. And there are other people who are like, that's so cool that you are who you are. Like, who can even hear who they are anymore in the cacophony of what everyone else expects you to be? So my question to you is, is that ultra healthy or is that a pathology? That is a great question because it's both. So I think that in, you know, the appeal of the show why are we drawn to this family and why are we drawn to this character in particular? It's because, especially uh, when you look at Wednesday Adams, she is a teenager at, at, at a time of life when the most important, we've talked about this for over several shows, like the most important factor in their life is their friend group and even above family very often. If you, if, if you look at the data, they'll sort of like rank, like needing to getting along with friends and fitting in really high uh, in their list of, you know, uh, factors that make them happy or unhappy at any given time. And here's this character who not only is she by definition really an outcast, you know, she's in a school of outcasts and even within ever, is it Nevermore, excuse me, mm-hmm. even within Nevermore, she is doesn't fit in. She feels like she she's different, you know, and is ostracized, etc. And that appeal, I think it appeals to a lot of kids and even uh, a lot of adults who can look back and remember. I think in hindsight, it's so much more obvious how how much of my own behavior was designed toward 
just getting by, just fitting in, just doing, not being noticed, noticed just enough, but not too much, you know, kind of a thing when I was a teenager. And, uh, I think as an adult, you gain an appreciation for that, that while you're in it, my, I don't know, maybe it's a little bit obscured, but it's definitely happening. And so I think that's part of the appeal is like this character just is representing our biggest fear. And yet she's this version of it that is the monster that is proudly the monster, you know, mm-hmm. in, in a wonderful way. You you said is, I forget the exact words, but basically is it, is it a, a pathology, a psychopathology, or is it a superpower kind of a thing? And I said both. And the, the reason is that it's wonderful that she's able to be herself, her genuine, authentic self without it, you know, impacting her, her, I don't want to say it doesn't impact her emotional state, but she doesn't give an inch, right? Despite the re- repercussions of being who she is. Where it is problematic is the, the show also portrays this character that frankly, if you were to bring, and she did go to see a therapist in the show, but like if you were to bring her to a real world therapist, you would say this girl who just released the piranhas into the pool and was uh, accused of murder of, of you know, and, and, and the girl who uh, does all of these very sort of hyper violent, hyper dark, hyper antagonistic things, she kind of meets criteria for oppositional defiant disorder, which is a kind of scary diagnosis. Uh, tell, tell me more about that. Yeah. So I wanted to be prepared. So I pulled up next to our, our screen, I pulled up some criteria. Let me know if any of this sounds familiar. Sure. There's an angry and ir- irritability category within this diagnosis. Often and easily loses temper, sure. Is frequently touchy and easily annoyed by others, check. Uh, is often angry and resentful, check. Next category, argumentative and defiant behavior. Often argues with adults or people in authority. Check. Often actively, what does that say? Defies or refuses to follow adults' requests or rules, obviously, but that's true of every teenager on every TV show ever. Often annoys or upsets people on purpose. That's not really why she annoys people. She's doing it, you know, because... Right, she's just sort of going on her path. And if it happens to annoy you, she doesn't give a crap. Exactly. Often blames others for their own mistakes or behaviors. Not, not. Really, I don't really find that to be right on target. Says mean and hateful things uh, when upset. She says mean and hateful things because she feels they're like correct, correct, and the truth. Yeah. So it's a. It's uh, a and again, I don't think that she says these things to hurt people. You know, I think that she's just telling it like it is, and right. I think that if anything. It's sort of, it's hard for me as an amateur to see this as oppositional disorder because she doesn't really give a crap about what she's allegedly in opposition to. It's more that, in other words, to me, the pathology is not seeing other people as having the same degree of value as you do. Like on the one hand, I think it's, you know, obviously self-esteem, appreciating your self-worth, right? And having a keen sense of self. Those are all the goals that we certainly as parents want for our children and even Mm -hmm. arguably as adults we want for ourselves. But you can't do that and nurture that at the expense of literally everyone else. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's where the pathology to me as an amateur 
you know, slash co-host, <laughs> that's where it leaps out at me. Because I feel like oppositional disorder is much more intent on or, or wreaking havoc as sort of collateral damage. Mm-hmm. So I think that one of the things that is really interesting is the question of, does she have empathy for the people around her? Because empathy, the ability to put yourself in other people's shoes to understand what they might be going through, and because you've felt those feelings too yourself, that kind of thing, is a core tenet of being a human being in a functioning society. And she is presented in a way... That is, while just, you know, in other words, while while everything she wants, everything to be right and she wants mysteries to be solved, etc. She also wants the, these things for herself, you know, and she wants to do what she wants to do. And like you said, she's not necessarily looking at the other people in her school with empathy, with great empathy for much of the show. Not at all. I mean, when you think about, I do not remember the quote unquote normie kid's mm. name who's, again, spoilers as, as always, whose father is killed, right, and hit by a car. Like there's no, there's no feeling whatsoever of, gee, it would be terrible to have your parent be hit by a car. Like, yeah. like yeah. there's, a, although I will say that she does seem to feel for Miguel, her friend who, that's his name, right? The beekeeper kid? Yeah, I think that is right. So that to me was interesting because while Wednesday goes to this prom-ish dance with Tyler, Miguel decides to go ahead with their plan that they originally had before Tyler showed up to go to try to track down the monster. And she, Wednesday warns him, don't go alone. Mm-hmm. He goes alone, as always. Ha- I mean, really, like anyone who's ever watched TV or a movie, right? right. Like, don't right. go alone, okay? And if you take anything away from this podcast and you're thinking of <laughs> pursuing a monster at night in the middle of the woods, really, you should go with somebody else. Definitely. Buddy system. Yeah, yeah buddy system always. Um, mm-hmm. And even maybe take a phone um, just for fun. So I think that... She does feel genuinely bad that he was hurt. I feel like that was an expression of true empathy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and she, you know, she tells a story about being on a. Someone says, "When was have you ever even cried in your life?" And she says she did cry. She was on a walk with her pet scorpion, who she loved, and some kids thought it was strange that you would have a pet scorpion and they, you know, like, uh, you know, ran him over with their bicycles or something, Mm -hmm. something like that. And she cried at the funeral for this pet scorpion. And that's, that's slightly different. That's grief and you're grieving for yourself, but there's all within built within grief is almost, uh, by definition, a degree of empathy because you're identifying with the loss of the, of the thing in this case, the scorpion. And, and she is upset about thing. Let's let's yeah, note she, right when thing. Right. That's probably as upset as she gets. Yeah, the idea that thing um, would be dead or yeah. lost or whatever happens yeah. to there, a, a, a disembodied hand. That no there longer. is there's uh, the more we talk about it, the more I think there is a degree of uh, righteousness uh, associated with her and her character, and things have to be just, you know, and protecting. You know, it all starts like protecting her younger brother at the same time telling her younger brother, you're soft. You won't make it two months without me, you know, Mm. and like that, 
that dichotomy is very appealing as a viewer because you just don't see it very often. You know, this like hardcore sort of, there's a certain like truthism and a realism, but it's tough. And it's also, I don't know, it's just sort of a unique view of the world. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. As someone who has not been formally trained or trained at all as um as a psychiatrist, can you talk a little bit about um, and I'm, as, I'm asking for me, I'm saying I haven't been trained, obviously you have, but there's an inherent element to all teens, whether they're on TV or in reality, of wanting to defy their parents, mm-hmm. right? Yep. So here, Wednesday's parents, Gomez and Morticia Adams, are extraordinarily over the top, um, physically emotionally and verbally affectionate with one right. another, like to the, to, to the point where as any of my, you know, children would say it's cringe. Mm-hmm. Like it's, it's very off putting mm-hmm. um, because it's just too much. So can you talk a little bit about how Wednesday's kind of veneer of disassociative behavior may be a kind of reflexive opposition to her parents over the top? affection. Yeah, right. I think you you're absolutely right. There's that like cringe feeling that is, you know, probably almost all teenagers experience about their parents if they if they are I mean, not fr- my teenagers, but yes, everyone else. <laughs> if they're frankly able to observe, you know, it if they're in in the position to see and uh, you know, seeing their parents not as mom and dad or uh, anything, but as separate people who have a relationship with each other, you know, and right. That's uh, gross. That's so gross to a teenager. Yeah. And affection, the idea that, that, you know, grownups have a sexuality gross, you know, super Super gross. gross. And the idea that that sexuality has persisted as the parents get older is, is, ugh. Disgusting. God. And so I think the show does very nicely this idea that they take a a thing that we all experienced as teenagers, where the current teenagers are experiencing, then they blow it up and they amplify it, right? So what if we take an outcast? What if we take your worst fear of what it means to be a teenage outcast and we make it the entire core of the character? What if we take your parents' affection for each other and – you know they're weird and and embarrassing in some ways 
and we make that really so embarrassing that that uh, you know even grown-ups are like, oh, that's too much, you know. And I think that's that's one of the things that not only the show but Tim Burton, who who's uh, one of the minds behind the show, is very good at doing. Yeah, he He's really is taking things, inverting them, and then making them really, really taking them to the nth degree. Yeah. Okay. Wednesday comes into your office. Mm. You do an evaluation. What's your takeaway? Yeah, the takeaway is likely going to be trying to align with Wednesday in a way that she, she, she's a person who very clearly would agree to a philosophy, a vantage point, a perspective of like the ends justifying the means. Mm-hmm. So if you, if you would can, rather be feared than loved, yeah, if you can help her to see that modifying certain aspects of behavior in certain situations, for example, to avoid being expelled, you know, to avoid getting arrested at some point, you know, because those actions, those are frankly reactions to behaviors that she might commit will then impede the life that she wants to lead, right? That's, I think, the approach with with certain ODD kind of characters, oppositional defiant characters, uh, is is you want to help them see that to get the life that they want, they need to not necessarily play by every rule, but not necessarily oppose every rule either. And and again, Wednesday doesn't oppose rules for the sake of opposing them. She opposes them for justice or, you know, uh, truth or because she doesn't respect them, you know? Mm. And so that's a hard thing. You might, if there's a degree of empathy within her, you might work to try to build that up as a muscle, you know, so that you can say, you know, when you felt that way about thing, you know, can you extrapolate that out to what so-and-so might've been thinking or feeling at that time? And she's so clever and smart and frankly, emotionally capable even though it's not ex- it's not projected to the world, I feel she's not someone who I feel is incapable of emotion. She's no, not at all, who, and, who uh, and rejects I'm, it. Yeah, and I'm I'm going to jump in there by saying that we didn't really uh, discuss her relationship with her roommate Enid, mm. um, who Enid brings a smile to your face because yeah. Enid is also, I guess she's the more quote unquote typical outcast in yep. that she has managed to sort of be more social, more dexterous with the relationships around her. There are people who want to be with her. She wants to be with them. And by the end, Wednesday and Enid have attained beyond detente, like they're actual friends. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And and Enid also represents this, you know, uh, coming of age version of the uh, teenage story, right? Of like, she's not yet fully in come come into her own right mm-hmm. uh in her her particular wolfing out qualities you know mm-hmm. and so that's another way that they take something that's sort of banal and then turn it into a really compelling storyline that that was uh, fun to see I, I did like their pairing and i liked seeing the room the yes. dorm room split <laughs> right down the middle yes yes Wonderful. i really liked enid enid was a character who could have been cloying and, and annoying and clearly you were meant to, you know, empathize a little bit with Wednesday and in, in seeing her that way as being one of these 
you know, would be influencer kind of mm-hmm. people, but she has a, a heart of gold and, and there, but there's sincerity in, and, you know, kindness in Enid mm-hmm. that really emanates and makes you uh, get past the rainbow nail polish and yeah. everything else. Yeah. All right. I want to do a little preview. We're going to grow up a little bit next time we speak. We'll see. Sometimes things change. But I think next on our docket is uh, industry, right? So kids growing up out of college, they get their first jobs out of college in the world of finance, the cutthroat world of just, you know, I don't know, the 90210 version of being a, a business person. So, Oh, man. 90210 was so much more fun than this show, but, <laughs> but, but okay. <laughs> okay. All right. All right. You know, I guess you if I knew, If I had a better, better uh, memory of, you know, was it Brandon or Brendan, Luke Perry and uh, all those characters, I would, mm-hmm. I, yeah, that would be a show that we could return to. But I'd have to, I'd have to go back and I don't know how many seasons were there, like twenty seasons, and they all were in their forties playing high school. Characters. Right, exactly. Which I, I have a lot of respect for that. Sometimes uh, yeah. I feel like that's me, me too. You know, <laughs> isn't it all of us in some way? Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I didn't realize how personally relevant that would be at the time. Mm. Yeah, but here we are. Anyway, thank you as always for a great conversation. Thank you. Until yep. next time. See you next time. Bye. Bye. Please be advised that Characters on the Couch is a show focused only on fictional people, and none of the content should be considered medical or professional advice in any way. If you or someone you know is struggling with your mental health, please seek out professional consultation. Thank you. Thanks so much. Hope to see you guys next week. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.